Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and with me today is the lovely Karen Ellis. Karen is the director of the Edmondson Center, and I'm so excited to have her. Um, the Edmondson Center is at the Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta, but you're based in Chattanooga, right? I am. Yes, very close. <laughs> we have a little commute here and there to come and teach our classes, and then we, we get to go back up and come back down, and then you've got this great uh, sort of tri-state area uh, ed- seminary education thing going out here, and it's been going really, really well. That's so awesome. Well, let's think about Proverbs. Sometimes we think of the book of Proverbs as several broken words of inspiration, and challenge, but it's more than that. Um, it's wisdom literature for a reason. And and so for, for the person who maybe hasn't studied or thought of what really this book is, what is the book of Proverbs and how should we read it? Yeah, well, Proverbs concerns itself with instructing us in the path of wisdom and the path of life. Um, as opposed to folly leading to death. And Proverbs tells us um, this all about itself uh, throughout the book. But at the same time, I think it's more than a collection of wise sayings. It's actually nuggets of practical application of God's word to every area of our lives. It's the I like to think of it as the place where God's plans meet experience. And, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I read them. They're not disconnected. Uh, they are connected to life and shalom and peace um, and, you know, how, how to handle difficulty or just just the regular stuff of life in a way that causes as little damage as possible. I often wonder how many of these wise sayings Solomon himself proved, like, you know, you read things like, don't strike hands and pledge with somebody who wants to borrow money from you. Like, did he have the same cousins that we all have who are always running with less month than money because of their own foolish behavior, you know, or the foolish son, <laughs> the foolish son being a burden to his mother? Like, how many times did he see that? Um, among the people over whom he reigned or among his concubines. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great place to camp and learn. Uh, people who go seeking Proverbs, I know this is true of me, people who go seeking how to understand Proverbs are not people who are already wise. <laughs> We're the ones who are like, I think I want to grow wise because I'm tired of living um, foolishly and, you know, according to my own wisdom and causing a lot of collateral damage in the process. It is incredibly practical. <laughs> I wonder if there are any proverb that has stood out to you or that maybe you've clung to or that you go back to um, frequently that has been a help? Yeah, so that's like choosing children, okay? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Arr." laughs> but, you know, I, I, like to, I like to camp out in um, the, the section of Proverbs that's like the span from 7 to 8, chapters 7, 8, and 9. And, you know, it's... it's um, it's, we think about foolishness, like this juxtaposition in the seven, eight, and nine between the house of folly and the house of wisdom. We think about folly as like silly, um, you know, oh, it's foolish. It's 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 kind of silly and it's lighthearted. And I'm like, actually, the way Proverbs frame the way the whole Bible frames foolishness on the house of folly, when you read it, it's it's death, it's destruction. It's chaos. It's not just silly. It's it's a it's it's you destroy yourself 
and you destroy others when you live in what Proverbs calls wisdom's, a folly's house. But then it juxtaposes it with wisdom's house and how there's order and that it's the same order that the Lord, by wisdom, he founded the earth by understanding the other scriptures tell us he established the heavens. Um, and so we've got this ordered place and this peaceful place. And it's, it's, it sort of gives you a place to live. I think every single choice that gets made in the Bible that you see in the whole scriptural record is a choice between whether or not somebody's going to live in the house of wisdom or if they're going to live in the house of folly. Are they going to choose life unto flourishing and God's way? Because he told us already how this world works best for us, that he created for us. Or are we going to choose foolishness and folly and destruction and cause all sorts of scars and pain to ourselves and to other people? So I ask my granddaughter all the time and her little friends, I try and trick them, you know, I'm like, so what? <laughs> well, she's eight. What's the difference between being smart and being wise? And they're starting to understand, her and her little friends are starting to understand that being smart is knowing things and knowing about things. But being wise is knowing what are the right things to do for life, for yourself and for other people. Well, there's a few things. I have a few questions. The first one, you said this is that yours are Proverbs 7, 8, and 9. Is that correct? 7? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, so when yeah. someone reads Proverbs 7, for example, and you're talking about wisdom and folly, I think it's it's narrowed to adultery. So <laughs> so mm -hmm. how do you how do you help a reader gain wisdom and interpret it well um, as they're reading the Proverbs? Right. So in the garden, uh, we had two ethical choices for our first parents. They could be obedient to God, and they, by being obedient to God's wisdom, it would lead to life. Um, if they were adulterous in their relationship with God and folly of se they, they would experience the folly of separation from God's wisdom, uh, leaning on their own understanding, the way Proverbs 1 tells us, uh, 1 and 3 tells us, leading on our own understanding and leading to death. And so, you know, you've got this really super practical, uh, you know, choose choose this way. That's you know, it's it's talking about the marriage, the 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 uh, the, the commitment in marriage and the loyalty of marriage and not walking in the way of the adulteress. But it's also speaking to the adultery that, that lives in our own hearts, our adultery against God. And so, it's kind of setting us up for uh, this these two women who have two houses in the subsequent chapters, and they've got two meals. It's really interesting to compare the comparison between the two. One woman who is faithful in obedience to worship according to the way God says he wants to be worshiped, and the other woman who is adulterous. And so we've got this really super practical level of uh, the marriage commitment and, you know, being committed to the one that you promised yourself to. But then on this other spiritual level, we've got this thing going on that this is speaking to all of life and our commitment to, uh, to the God who has saved us, to the God who has given himself for us, to the God who made us and created us and know what knows what we were created for. And so who are we going to be obedient to? Who are we going to be faithful to? 
too. And so you get this, you get this kind of span about adultery and faithfulness from the really practical in the marriage relationship to the spiritual in our relationship with God. I love how, I love how the Bible operates on so many levels like that, you know, um, just instructing us from the practicalities of life. Absolutely. Well, as we wind down, I couldn't help but think that there are people who are listening who they, they might be thinking, wow, Maybe I've lived in Folly's house. Maybe I have been foolish, as many Ooh. of us have, you know? <laughs> oh, um, let me tell you. I could tell, tell you some stories if we have more time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so um, so I would love for you to pray for the person who, thinking of the whole of Scripture, okay, so we know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that the— Yes, that if thank you, can, you Jesus. Yes, amen. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to purify you so we can confess it. And we can ask for wisdom. We can call out for wisdom. So I would love for you to pray for that person who is there maybe reading seven, eight, and nine for the first time and realizing, oh, I I haven't been practically walking out my faith in a way that's wise. Yeah. Heavenly Father, you're you are calling aloud in the streets for the simple and the foolish, which is all of us, to come and live with you, in you, uh, through you, um, to be wholly consumed by you, uh, and to understand how the world works through your eyes and to think your thoughts after you. I thank you that you are calling all of us to be more wise. I thank you that none of us has achieved perfect wisdom, um, but that we can know what are the right things to do and the right ways to live just by calling out to you. So I invite every soul, every set of ears, every heart that's listening right now to call out to God and say, I just want to be wise. I want to be wise. I want to do things that lead to life and not to death. And I thank you, God, that you answer. You're faithful to answer. You're faithful to deliver. And you're faithful to show us paths of righteousness for your name's sake and for your glory's sake. God, we thank you. We give you thanks and praise that you are still making men and women wise according to your word, according to your order. Thank you for inviting us in, God. Answer us in spades. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Karen. 